What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to this episode of The Formula. I'm your host, Trevor Carlson. On The Formula, we break down and explore the elements of health, wealth, and happiness with guests from all over the world. The goal of the show isn't to give you a, a history of an individual. We want to know what skills they use. We want to know how they do what they do and why. This week's guest is Orrin Clough. Orrin has raised over $2 billion in investment. He's the author of Pitch Anything, which has sold over 2 million copies. And he's going he's gonna to share with you his formula for crushing your pitch. This week's episode dives into the elements of a successful pitch and how you can create your own, whether that's for your business or product. So if you're looking to sell a product, raise venture capital, or just sell someone on your idea, this is the episode for you. Now, let's get this show started with the formula for a successful pitch with Oren Clough. This week's guest on the Formula podcast is author and pitching extraordinaire, Oren Clough. Oren, thanks for taking the time to, uh, to sit down and chat with me today. I'm really looking forward to discussing the formula for, uh, for lack of a better term, a perfect or ideal pitch. Yeah, sure. That's, uh, that is the question in everyone's mind. <laughs> How to do this right? Because it's one bite of the apple. Like, I, you know, the difference between pitching and selling, selling is sort of, uh, you know, if you sell copiers or you sell paper, like on the office, you have many, many potential customers. When you pitch, right, it's high stakes, one bite of the apple, one chance to do it right. A lot of times it's do or die. You may have five, eight, ten potential people you can give your pitches so you don't get to practice for years. Like, you know, I read these sales books. A guy goes, yeah, I was uh, selling vacuum cleaners for 15 years. I sold vacuum cleaners in people's house. That guy has the perfect vacuum cleaner pitch, right? Because he's done it 150,000 times. How do you pitch correctly when you only have two, three, four, ten bites at the apple? Uh, so that's the question. Yeah, and that that brings up the question in my mind. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these entry-level or mid-level sales guys, you, I'm sure you talk with a lot of them and they're like, you know, Oren, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put together my pitch for, for, you know, like you use the vacuum cleaner example and there's, you know, there's uh, hundreds of different other types or thousands of, of different products that people sell in direct sales. They probably ask you, you know, like, how do I, how do I put together that perfect pitch? And where do you start when you're, you know, when you're working with these people? So I think where you start is you say, I'm not putting together anything because that sort of leads you into content. And no matter how well you organize your content, it's not going to be that much more convincing. So, um, you know, you put the features in this order or you put the benefits in that order or you do feature benefit this one first or that feature benefit. No matter how well you organize content and put it together, that's not what's going to make something compelling. So then you ask the question, well, what does make something compelling? Well, first of all, when I think about a pitch, when somebody comes in, I want to be put at ease and know that I'm in the hands of a professional. The guy standing in front of me, the guy on the Skype, the guy on the phone knows his story, has packaged a pitch, and I can relax, and I'm in the hands of a sales professional, right? So uh, how do I get somebody to relax and know that I know what I'm doing? And, and so now we talk about really the mechanics of making the perfect pitch. And for me, 
It starts with not, you know, if you think about all the sales presentations you see, they start off with, so look, we're the number one SaaS software for accounting systems. Uh, we're known all over the world to replace Microsoft.net. Uh, you know, we can make by installing our system, you will have much more savings when it comes around to tax time because you're um, it'd be much easier to pull your records and submit your returns to your CPA. Right. Uh, and then the social proof were used by seven out of 10 midsize firms. Right. So that's generally the structure of a sales presentation. I think instead to make it compelling, it opens up with an idea. Right. Today. Millions of firms are using the standard off-the-shelf tax software, and that stuff works. But when they go back to look one, two, three years later, there is always a case, $1 million, $5 million, $10 million left on the table. Why in the United States do we have $200 billion left uncollected for one reason only? That's what this presentation is about, right? So it opens up with an idea rather than what we have. So now as you start to think about constructing the perfect presentation, it's not telling people what you have because then they want to know how much is it and then they want the meeting to be over. <laughs> uh, and, and so there's a lot of things to do before you give people the features of your software or start explaining the benefits. And that's to set yourself up as a high, uh, high status high quality professional who knows what he's doing, put it in context and start with an idea. And once you do that, then you have somebody paying attention to you and you shouldn't start talking about the features and what you can really do until somebody is fully bought in, believes in you and is paying attention. Yeah. I was totally bought in by the way when you did that. I was like, I was like, wait, what is it? You know, <laughs> or how does it work? I never talked about it before in my life. I just made it up on the spot, but you know, you give me any product do the the same thing uh so it's it's raise you know it's raising the stakes there's something to win here and something to lose and so i think about it like this you know if you wanted to boil it down or you wanted to write down a note you know while you're listening to this podcast it would be winter is coming that's the job of the beginning of the presentation the pitch the sales presentation the meeting the skype whatever it is winter is coming and if you get caught unprepared when winter shows up, bad news for you because everyone who's prepared and has, uh, you know, pelts and, you know, Game of Thrones style, right? That's where winter is coming. Comes up. You know, everyone who has uh, shutters and built, got firewood and fire and animal pelts and food stored up, they're going to get through winter. You're not prepared correctly. You ain't making it. That's the introduction. I don't know whether you sell sophisticated accounting software, ball bearings, copiers, uh, SaaS software, internet, web, government, logistics, insurance, you know, uh, uh, pet snacks, glucosamine, medical devices, med tech, fintech, space tech, sports. It, you know, it doesn't matter. It all revolves around wind and, and every industry. Winter is coming in some way, right? In football concussion rules. I mean, name me an industry in, uh, you know, in government, things are changing on regulation in, uh, electric cars. We have a, we have a company we're taking public and electrification of vehicles, right? Winter is coming in that industry because they're making diesel trucks pre 2010 illegal on California roads. If you're not prepared for that and you're running diesel trucks, you're going to get smoked 
by the people who know what they're doing and have got electrification under control. So, uh, so that's, you know, the pitch is, is more about in terms of perfecting it is letting somebody know that there is a huge change coming and you know all about that change and how to, how to position for competition, for success, uh, for, uh, just getting things to work in the new world order after the change arrives. So that's the beginning of the pitch. Yeah. And that, it almost brings up another point too, which is, I hate the word networking, but when you're meeting people that it could be possible clients and they ask about your, your widget or your business or, or your company, your startup, right? And it's, if you, well, I'm guilty of this. So it's like, you know, oh, I host a podcast and it's about X, Y, Z. And then they're like, oh, cool. And then they're like, next, right? But if you almost frame it in the way that you just walked through with uh, with that software product, then all of a sudden you've got that person engaged because they actually, they're like, oh, this is much more interesting than the person who just flat out told me that they sell a product or provide a service. Sure, for you, think about it, right? So say, hey, uh, you have a podcast, tell me a little bit about it, right? Maybe the answer would be, you know how when podcasts start, they have a good guest and they ask the guest 45 questions about their life, right? And it feels like a, an A&E biography, but you haven't really learned about any of the deep talents that are stored in the mind and the life of that person. Well, that's all changing in the new, in the new way podcasts are done. And I'm leading the charge. We are mining the, the, the job of a podcast is to mine the talents and the ideas of the interviewees, not find out what high school they go to. My podcast is all about extracting talent and skill from the minds of some of the best people on earth. Right. So, so, um, you know, that might be a better way to do it if I had to think about it in terms of a big idea. Uh, today, there's – how about this? Um, today, if you think about it, all these podcasts, there are millions of hours of recorded video. But we're not learning anything from the people who are being interviewed. The podcasts that are going to be successful in the next two years are mining the experience and the skills of the people they're interviewing. Al Pacino, Warren Buffett. Barack Obama, who cares what high school they get, they went to or what side of the napkin they use when they, uh, um, you know, met, uh, Muammar Gaddafi or whatever it is, right. Or what kind of plane they fly on. The things are changing and people want to know skills, not, uh, what, what kind of somebody's favorite crayons are when they were three, right. That's what my podcast is, uh, in line with the way things are changing with human wants skills not to know the history of an individual, right? So, so that's an idea. Uh, maybe I didn't organize it perfectly, but it's a lot better than saying, yeah, I have a podcast where you interview uh, knowledgeable people on the internet and try and discover what their life is about. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to borrow some of that. I think I'll be, <laughs> I'll be listening to that clip later and being like, that was, that was killer. Getting the heart of my business model. What I do is I get on podcasts, I come up with good ideas, and I sell those ideas for eighteen dollars each, just like at Disneyland. You know, you go on the ride. Right. The ride was fun. And you get off and they and there's a photo right. that you can buy for eighteen dollars of you and your family going down splashing through. That's how I work. It, every idea is eighteen dollars. Right. And I, I feel like that that'd be a great uh, pitch for your book is like, oh, yeah, actually. And I, I give you this this package for to put these ideas together and it comes in the form of a book. There you go. So, yeah, yeah. 
So, or in the form of a, of a podcast. So, I mean, getting back <laughs> to it, right? That's, uh, when you look injured, being able to stand in front of somebody in an expected sales presentation and not immediately dive into what you have, why it's important, why somebody should buy from you, how you're better than the competition and just hold your ground and talk about the big ideas that affect the potential investor or buyer right? And how the world is changing and why that change is meaningful and what the stakes are going forward. Just for three minutes, being able to talk about that and not yourself or your product really signals to the buyer, I'm in the hands of a professional who knows what the hell he's doing. Okay. So let's say you've got that part down. You've kind of got your big idea down. You've got your, your winter is coming, uh, beginning of your of your pitch or or at least uh, that element of it so yeah so i think i think after that right uh what, what i like to do is hit skepticism right on the head right so rather than waiting to the end of the presentation saying so uh, what do you think is this something you'd be interested in do you have any questions right look you know your product you know your industry you know the buyer you know roughly what they want you know what their questions largely are going to be or where their skepticism lies, right? I like to hit that right off the bat, right? And, and it shows context and alignment and, and familiarity, which is I know what you're thinking. Aren't there a million podcasts already? And does the world really need another podcast? And that's a good question because there are a lot of podcasts out there. Does the world really need another podcast? accounting software isn't there you know intuit and sap and oracle and uh great planes and microsoft and i mean i'm, I'm not in the accounting industry there's just ones i know of. aren't there 500 kinds of accounting software already does the world i know what you're thinking does the world really need another accounting system that's an excellent question All right so so i like to hit this because other people do this for sure unless you just landed here from the planet mars and are visiting Earth for the first time, you know there's Great Plain, there's Oracle, there's SAP, there's Microsoft, there's .NET, there's Intuit, there's TurboTax. The, there are many very good accounting systems out there. right? And that sort of sets you up to move into a specific problem. The problem is none of them use whatever, AI. To, right? None of them use AI to absolutely understand your risk of getting an audit in the way that you're filing your returns. I don't know, whatever, right? Uh, so the problem is many companies today do the right thing, use the right software, pay the right fees, use their CPA, and they walk straight into an audit. And if you've ever had an audit, right, even if you've done nothing wrong, you're going to spend $150,000, $250,000, $350,000 for even a small business right? That's what you spend on an audit in which they found nothing. There's no adjustment. They just want your records organized in a certain way. So we asked ourselves, how do you know indefatigably for sure uh, uh, if an audit is coming? And, and so that's the problem we address is getting out of the way of audits. And look, other companies have said they've done it. Other people have started companies to do it this way. Other people even say they do it today. But I can tell you there's many dead bodies along the way to having the technology that we have 
because they didn't invest enough money, they didn't try hard. This is a very difficult problem to solve, much harder than it looks. Predicting audits is much harder than it looks at face value. Many people have tried it, and only us and one or two other firms have anything close to a solution. Of all those firms, ours, we think, is uh, the, the best way of doing it. So so anyway, uh, I mean, I'm running away with accounting software today. For some reason, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know shit about it. Uh, but but uh, I mean, the point is to show the architecture of of framing up a pitch. You, you can I mean, I can literally build a better pitch than you. Anybody listening on your product, your company, your ideas than you can knowing nothing about what you have because I have an architecture right to do it. And so, so the next piece of the architecture is why is what you do hard? Because until until somebody believes that what you do is incredibly difficult and other people can't do it, that Microsoft can't, you know, throw 10 engineers on it for two months and build what you have until somebody believes that what you do is incredibly hard to do. They're going to continue to look for other solutions, look for lower prices or try and get it for free. That's for sure. So so we've got to frame up that what we do is incredibly hard. Other people have tried it. They haven't succeeded because they didn't throw enough passion. They didn't throw enough time. They didn't throw enough money. They didn't throw enough energy. There's only a few people have gotten through the crucible and really figured out how to do this very, very difficult thing. And, and, and I don't know if I'm answering your question. I may have just gone on a tangent seven miles in the wrong direction. We're in the middle of desert in Arizona and rattlesnakes are going to kill us. That's possible, but I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I think that you answered it really well in, in, um, in a roundabout way. It kind of, it kind of covered a lot of what that next step is, which is, you know, typically like when, when I pitched for capital before, you know, you, you wait until the end for the questions to handle objections yeah. or you, or you, uh, you know, you bring up your competitors later on in a slide, right? But this is like a great way to be like, okay, I know what you're thinking. This already exists and this already exists. And there's all these other things out there. And those are great if you have X, Y, Z. But let me tell you, let me just get in front of that right now. And it almost like, you're almost like diffusing the whole defense, like all their defense defense mechanisms or whatever the term you want to use is you're like diffusing the entire situation before you even get into what your product actually does until somebody believes and understands what the problem is and why that problem is difficult to solve they're going to think wow i should continue to interview firms i should continue to see how i can push pricing i should continue to negotiate that's what builds in scarcity right so when the thing to think about is you, it's very difficult to sell on features. It's much easier to sell when you're discussing the problem, right? Uh, and, and so you can, because you're sort of undercover when you're discussing the problem of credibility. When you move over to saying, these are features, these are benefits, do you want to buy, right? You are a wanting, in many ways you're needy, you need something from the buyer and they're sensitive to that need. When you're discussing the problem, you're sharing information about something that, uh, that, that they're trying to solve. So you can, it's, you can introduce all your features under the auspices or under the umbrella of discussing the problem. That's a better way to introduce features than going, now I'm going to tell you about our features, then I'm going to try and sell you. So you have those first two parts set up. What's next? 
The next thing you do is you fail miserably, then you type in the internet. What was the name of that guy that I heard? Is Oh, yeah, Pitch Anything. And you buy Pitch Anything and you read it and you go, oh, my God, this is amazing. I laugh. I cried. Uh, and then, and then, you, then you look for our phone number and you can't find it and you call all your friends and you say, how, how can I get in touch with these Pitch Anything people? Uh, and then you call them up and you pay them like $100,000 and they help you. That's the next step. Uh, no. So, so um, wait, <laughs> I think we're back in the desert with rattlesnakes. All right. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> so, so the next step, you know, after you've gone through the problem, uh, again, I think you have to say, you know, other people solve this problem as well. And, and that lowers the sensitivity to you being a salesperson and you pushing your solution on them. Other people solve this problem as well, right? I mean, think about it. Uh, accounting software is a whatever three hundred billion dollar industry. We're a hundred million dollar company. Obviously, other parts of this stuff get sold somewhere somehow, right? And and certainly, Great Plains does a good job, and Intuit does something very specific for very small businesses. But for the kind of business that you are, and where your needs are, we're hands down the best. Let me tell you a little bit about our solution, right? And the, the only thing I would tell salespeople next is, is uh, I don't love it when salespeople go to sell us and they introduce solutions or features and then tell us the benefit of that feature, right? Because I'm just learning about something that their product does and then they're trying to sell me with the benefit, right? So, you know, whatever, the accounting software uh, is able to directly integrate with the IRS database. This is good because... Uh, it saves time from you having to uh, enter data manually, which means that you're going to save money on data entry operators, right? Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to save money on data entry operators. Um, you're terrific. I still don't know all the features. Like, hold off on selling me. Tell me all the features. And then go ahead and sell me. But don't try and sell me before I know what it is because I feel like I'm not in a normal process of the way I think. Like, how does my brain work? It's the same as yours, right? The human mind goes through the stages of what do I know, what does it mean, and what should I do? That's the three evolving stages of collecting information, right? So if I'm still trying to figure out what do I know and collect information, and now you're trying to tell me what I should do, it frustrates my process. Now I start to feel like you're a salesperson. You know, you know, you don't have my best interests. Uh, so, so again, the next thing is take people through what it is you have, but fully describe it without sort of selling them the benefits and why they should buy. What is it? How does it work? And then sell. So I would organize if I was a new or, or uh, starting out salesperson, I would start to organize my information and my presentation in that way. Full, think about it. Like if you go to buy a washing machine and the guy goes, uh, yeah, so it's got this auto off cycle that, uh, saves water. And when you save water, you know, you'll have more money for the things that you truly like to do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can sell me later. I'm happy to buy this goddamn washing machine, but please just tell me everything it does before you sell it. to me. What are the, uh, what are the common mistakes that you see people make as they're going through the process of putting together you know, your, your template, uh, your templated pitch from, 
from uh, pitch anything? Well, I think that the the biggest mistake I see number one is coming from the low status the low status position, right? From please, thank you, so glad to be here, very excited to show you our presentation today. We worked really hard on this presentation. Uh, really excited about the chance to make you a customer. Customers are always right. If you become a, you know, if we get into business together, you'll find that uh, at our company, customer service is number one. You can send me a fax. You can call my grandmother on Sunday night and she'll come out and help you. Here's my pager. Here's my cell phone. Here's my girlfriend's cell phone. Uh, here's my Gmail email address. Whatever you need, we'll make it happen for you. Supplicating, right? So that. It's very difficult for people to appreciate you as a professional or as a peer and to buy from you when they don't respect you and they feel like you're just a salesperson uh, and that, that you need their order and you'll do anything you they ask you to uh, in order to win their business. That's a very difficult place to sell from. So the low social status, uh, hey, sorry, I couldn't, sorry we're late, <laughs> right? We couldn't find a parking spot. Really? You want me to invest a million dollars in your company and you couldn't find a parking spot and get here on time? Help me out understanding this. So, so anyway, of course, you know, everybody comes to meetings late and, and traffic and whatever, but, um, we don't have to start off with the first word in a presentation being sorry <laughs> or thank you. <laughs> okay. It just lowers our status and it says, Hey, I'm not your peer. And the reality is you're more than a peer probably to the person you're selling or the investor you're going to, you have the deal, you have the product knowledge, you know how all this stuff works. They don't. They should be paying to spend time with the world-class expert that you are, right? They have a problem you don't. Fuck them, right? If I leave here and I don't help you out with your web services, with your advertising, with your insurance, with your medical devices, whatever it is, right? then you got to go to the second, third, fourth, fifth best guy, or probably you're going to buy the cheapest one out there because you, you seem like a cheap bastard, right? So, so without me to protect you and help you sort all this out, you're hosed, right? So that, that's – when you internalize that in your mind, of course, you don't have to say these words. You don't have to think that exactly. Not everybody has to be the same as me. But organizing your thoughts – to understand that that buyer is very fortunate to be spending time with you, the best person in the world who is able to really solve his problem completely, not the cheapest one, not the one that will just work tomorrow, but a complete solution that will really make a difference in his business. He should be lucky to be spending time with you and organizing that idea in your mind uh, or failing to organize that idea in your mind would be, to me, the number one mistake in, a, in any kind of sale or presentation. That reminds me of a quote from my friend uh, Paul Paul Singh. He he basically said that you know you have to be you have to put yourself in a position. He was talking about uh, fundraising for a startup, basically like you know you have to be in a position where you can walk away. Otherwise, you're going to make really bad deals for yourself. You're going to take investment from people that you shouldn't. You're going to you know you're going to bring on. Um, there's a term it's called like uh, dead money, where you bring on an investor and they don't actually give you anything other than just financial resources? Yeah. So I, I think, I think that's right. I mean, this, uh, maybe it's a, maybe it's a mistake. You can frame it that way. Maybe it's something you have to do, but it's understanding the gray area you have to live in, which is I want to sell. I want a commission. I want to get the investment in. I want to do a deal, right? I want a contract with you, right? But I also 
and willing to walk away if you don't participate, if it doesn't look like you're a good investor, if I can't get margin and profit and have a good time working with you. So how do you chase something right at the same time as, as communicating that you don't need it? And that is the gray area that you have to live in and understand and sort out in your mind. So it's okay to, you know, so I'll say, hey, look, I'm really excited about working with you guys, right? Which could seem supplicating, right? Um, you seem very interesting at face value from the time we spent together. It looks like we'd be a perfect fit. Like what we do is straight down the middle of fairway for what you need. But I'm also concerned about a few things, right? And unless we can get those sorted out, as much as I want to work with you, as much as I like you, as much as I think it's a perfect fit, we wouldn't be able to put this together. So a few of my questions are A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, right? And so so that's how I would have the push-pull or live in that gray area of both wanting it but not giving it away or supplicating. I think you make a great point because you can probably put yourself in a bad spot if you go in thinking like, yeah, I can afford to, yeah, I don't need this deal. Yeah, I can afford to walk away from it, you know, and uh I could just see it becoming a problem where you're like, I don't actually need this. So I'm going to go in and I'm going to half-ass it. And if you really want to do this deal with me, then prove to me why we should do this deal. Yeah, and the yeah, other yeah. So, so for sure, you can't prescribe to assholery, right? It's uh, The other thing is when people communicate a walk away, they do it so late in the game or the presentation or the relationship. They do it out of frustration, right? And not out of authenticity. So I will – Sometimes that would be the very first thing I say is glad to meet you guys, right? Not sure if we're going to work anything out here. <laughs> you know, I sat in the lobby for 10 minutes. We're starting this meeting late and nobody offered me a fresh cup of coffee. I'm just not even sure if you're good guys. Oh, man. <laughs> well, right? I mean, come to our office. We'll offer you some water, you know, some nice, young, effusive, great conversational people will come out and spend time with you and we'll take care of you to show that we know how to socialize and treat guests and we're a good place to both um, either buy services from or or be a good customer right and so uh, and just show that you give a shit yeah yeah so so the ability to communicate i'm willing to walk away more subtly throughout the whole presentation than rather than grandstanding at the end where you're not getting what you want so that's that's a that's a learned skill as well. And look, if you say to someone in the first twenty minutes of working with them in a sale or something like that, you say, "Hey, look, uh, you know, I, I like you guys. There's a couple things that are red flags to me, right? So, so for example, uh, you guys, um, you know what you know what would be? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, you guys are are looking to employ our environmental consulting services, right? But uh, when I look around the facility, I don't see any recycle bins, right? I don't see any, uh, I see plastic, uh, you know, containers everywhere. And I see water running, like, you know, like crazy in the kitchen. And you guys have uh, lots and lots of, uh, you know, overflowing gardens outside. I don't see any conservation. I don't see any sustainability are you just trying to check a box for the board of directors that you did something or do you really care about this stuff? Right. So, it, so, right. So if you put pressure on somebody along the way, say that's a red flag for me and they blow up, 
Oh, how dare you say that? That's a complete insult to us. Of course, we're, you know, we have sustainability. We gave to the, you know, uh, Save the Whale Foundation. And we really, we want to call you in here, right? That really insults us. It, that's, but when I hear that, it's not a real customer, right? When you challenge a real customer and say, hey, there's a red flag. Uh, you know, I just don't see any recycling bins anywhere around here. They go, yeah, you know, that's a good point. That's why we called you in. We definitely want to get better at that. Uh, thank you for pointing out. We appreciate it. I'm going to take that to the board. Um, and, and that's something we want to get better at. Right. And so normally when you challenge someone and they blow up or melt down, they don't have the money. They were just pricing you out. It's not a real meeting or they're just difficult people to work with. And you've really flushed out that they're not a customer or they're a bad customer and you've done the right thing. But it's never bad to challenge somebody on some things that jump off the page. Right. Uh, and, and do it earlier uh, and, and get to where they trust you and believe in you and feel like, you know, you really are willing to communicate authentically about uh, working with them. And when you when you value your time, your experience and your, um, you know, and wanting to make money as a company. Right. Then then um, that's it brings them in line. If They won't behave in a way where you're allowed to make a profit and have margin, well, then you found something out very important. Let them go and move on to the next guy. Yeah, it almost sounds like coming coming from a place of you know abundance, right? There's going to be more, more customers out there, and it's probably not good for you to take on or even try to take on people that you don't align with anyways. Yeah, and I think the more people that you challenge, uh, so, so more people will tip in from that approach. Some people are going to blow up. Some people are going to go away. You're going to lose one you feel like you might have closed, but many more people are going to go, I like you. You speak truth to power. Um, you're authentic, and uh, you make a good point. And yeah, we need to let you have a margin. We need to behave rationally. We need to turn contracts around quickly, whatever the case is. More people are going to tip in and work with you fairly than are going to blow up and go away. A lot more, like 10 to 1, 21, 100 to 1. So, so don't be afraid to stand your ground and be uh, – and prize yourself, right? So, so I think that's in, – in terms of mistakes, it's not that – look, I mean it says – you know, and, and maybe we could leave it off here and pitch anything I wrote – very clearly. People want what they can't have. People chase that which moves away from them. People only value that which they pay for. And to the degree you communicate and pitch and give presentations and talk with people, uh, it, it, with those three principles in mind, the better you'll do in sales and closing deals for sure. So you have all that, all, all the stuff that we talked about leading up to, you know, you've given your, 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 your great pitch up to this point in time. How do you wrap the pitch up? Yeah. So, uh, maybe we could do quickly how you don't wrap it up. You st definitely don't wrap it up as saying, so what do you think? Is this something you'd be interested in? Do you have any questions? Right. So you wrap it up and you, so you've given the great pitch. It's organized in the way we talked about. You talked about the problem, why the problem is hard to solve. Then it's about going, uh, so you can see why we're busy. We have one of the best, if not the best accounting software for firms of your size. And, uh, you know, we're very fortunate. Look, it wasn't always this way. Sometimes we had to beg for business, right? When I got started, we didn't have a lot of people calling us up, but now we're super busy. Uh, you know, I'm backed up meeting to meeting, meeting. Actually, I got to jump from this one right now. Um, uh, so what I think in context of the 
accounting system we described to you here today, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you are, right? What are your thoughts and how you fit in for the system that we have and we offer, right? Uh, are you guys going to install this here? Do you value the kinds of savings that we talked about? How fast is your implementation schedule? What does your IT department look like? Can, uh, you know, does your, have you got uh, GPRA and security compliance spun up? How hard will it be for us to work with you guys? Can you tell me a little bit about what your IT infrastructure looks like, what your buying cycle looks like, and help me understand um, if we're right for each other? That's where I think you go next at the end of the presentation. And that's, and that's where you wrap it up? Uh, well, I think then you let them talk for a while, right? Because they're going to want to tell you their story after you've told mm -hmm. your own great story. And then you say, look, uh, you know, if they are a fit, and, and, and then typically, I mean, there's no, for me, there's no close. It's sort of be, hey, I think it makes sense, given what I hear about you guys, what we have, that we should move this down the line, right? Um, why don't we set a call for, we say, next Thursday, and we'll review an agreement. Oh, yeah, great. Sounds good. Really enjoyed meeting you. And we're wrapped. Yeah, that sounds like a much more solid way to wrap it up then. So what do you guys think? If we if we send a contract over, do you uh, you think you'd be interested in doing this? Or what are what are the next steps? Right. You know, that's horrible. Right? If I found you doing that, I would, you know, uh, grab you <laughs> into the parking lot and lock you in the car and go back in and, and, and try and save it. So that is nothing that you want to be saying for sure. One of the notes I took down earlier when we were when we were talking is about you have a you have a new book coming out, right? I have a new book calling out, coming out called My Afternoon with Trevor. <laughs> that sounds like a bestseller already. It is. It's a thriller. <laughs> so the the book is called User's Guide to Power. One of the topics that we uh we chatted about earlier was, you know, you said there's some things in there that really these psychologists and top salespeople aren't covering. Do you want to tell me a little bit about what those are and maybe give us a little bit of a, a sneak peek? Sure. In the time we have, for sure. And one thing, you know, make sure before you get the second book, get the first book, pitch. If you jump over to pitchanything.com and just put your name in, you will get a wealth of information. I think the book is $12, $16, whatever. I know I got a 50 cent commission check last year. Um, no, so I mean, the book sold over pitch. Anything is one of the most iconic, you know, well distributed, sold a million copies. It's in two different dialects of Chinese and French and Russian and Italian and Polish and Romanian and two kinds of English and Canadian. And everything. so it's, uh, you know, pitch anything is a really, uh, well-known book. So if you put your name in at pitchanything.com, you get a lot of information, but the second book, I think, uh, you know, in the time we have one of the concepts I hit is, is called plain vanilla. And if you think about it, uh, a lot of the companies today, they're so intensely focused on telling people why their things are new, how exciting it is, how they have a new way of doing software or technology, and they've got a new product, and it's got better uh, response time, or it has better results, and everything about it is new, exciting, fresh, better than anything else. And the reason we put things in that context of being new, fresh, exciting, everything different it's because it attracts people. New things are novel and that attracts people to it. But if you look at the deals that actually get done, it's not things that are totally new, never done before, new kind of management team, new kind of order chart, new kind of technology, new kind of implementation, a new kind of way to deploy capital, you know, new uh, uh, organizational structure, new places to have offices. You know, those aren't the deals that get done. The deals that get done are the ones that map 
very clearly to the old way of doing things or the normal way of doing things, but have one thing that's really innovative and is better. So really the deals that get done are pretty plain vanilla, just a little bit better than the other ways of doing it in terms of getting a deal, right? Um, and, and so what, what happens is when you characterize everything as new, it's exciting because you attract people to your deal or your product or whatever it is, but they don't buy and they don't invest. The investment, the buying behavior goes into things that are the established way of doing things, but a little bit better in one area. The example I use is sort of um, Word, you know, Microsoft Word versus Google Docs. Uh, if, if you try and get somebody who's been using Word and you tell them all the amazing things about Google Docs, they, it's, it's too overwhelming for them to make the transition. But if you say, this is just like Word for Windows, everything's the same except the awesome thing is you can collaborate with people, work on the same document at the same time. And then people go, oh, that's awesome. I'm really interested in it, right? Uh, so, so that might be an easy way to think about it. Plain vanilla. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap for this week's show. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Big thanks to Oren for stopping by and sharing his tips and uh, advice with us on how to form a successful pitch. Now, if you'd like to find out any more information on Oren or uh, you'd like to pick up Pitch Anything, go ahead and head over to pitchanything.com or you can uh, check out Oren on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, I've linked to both of those in the show notes as well as to his website and his book over on Amazon. So that's all for this week's show. My name is Trevor Carlson and I uh, thank you for tuning in and I look forward to you stopping by next time. This episode of The Formula was produced by Helix Academy and the music was provided by the artists known as Moods. Make sure and check them out on Facebook or Spotify. That's M-O-O-D-S.